Yacht A, my relatives. Hello, it's Mark Charles, and it is, uh, what day is it? It's Wednesday, this November 30th, the last day of November, and I'm sitting down with my second cup of coffee, and I, I had some things I was thinking I might want to talk about today, but I came across a social media post by President Biden that I was supposed to responded to it online, and I thought we probably need to talk about this because it actually frames uh, some of the things that are going on in our country right now. So we're going to be talking about that uh, in a few minutes. But before I begin, I want to do as I always do, which is acknowledge that I am living on the land of the Piscataway. Um, it's now called Washington, D.C., but the Piscataway. Thank them. It seems like my connection is having a little bit of issues. So if you're having trouble hearing me, um, hopefully it should come back. I'm getting notices that my connection is going up and down. Anyway, um, I want to thank the Piscataway for the stewardship of these lands. And I want to just state how humbled I am that I'm living on these lands today. I see Shantina is with us today. Yate Shantina, thank you for joining from Virginia. Um, I know there are some other people online. I want to thank you all for joining me today. And let's just jump right into this, right? So this morning I was kind of scrolling through my social media and I came upon this tweet by um, President Biden. And it says, fair competition is what made America the wealthiest, most innovative nation in history. Now imagine if we gave everyone a full and fair chance to get ahead. That's what I plan to do. And you read that, and at first you're like, okay, yeah, he, he wants to level the playing field and make things more fair. And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, this is definitely something we should be working towards and something that's not a bad goal to have. But what's fascinating is if you if you read his first his first sentence there fair competition is what made america so in other words he's saying fair competition is what's always existed here this is one of the founding principles of our nation this is what we've always had and it's made us incredibly wealthy and very very innovative and that's completely false Right. If you actually go to his tweet, and I'll share it with you in the comments section, if you go to his tweet, you'll see there's a lot of people both responding and retweeting it and saying, you're completely ignoring history. This is disinformation. What are you trying to do? And it absolutely is, right? I mean, I, you've heard me say this before in some of my social media and some of my videos, that the only group of people who can look back on the history of our country with any sense of nostalgia, any sense of, ah, oh, remember the good old days, remember how great things used to be. The only people who can look back with any sense of nostalgia on American history is white landowning men, right? For everyone else, everyone else, the history is worse. Less freedom, less equality, less opportunity, less education, less ability to vote for everybody else except for white landowning men. And clearly, 
Joe Biden in that tweet is speaking out of that lens, right? His audience, he makes it very clear he is speaking to white men, technically speaking to white landowning men. Fair competition is what made America the wealthiest, right? He's saying this because this is what white men will agree with. And now he's challenging these white men to allow other marginalized people to be given the same access to this fair competition that they've always had. And so I I had to respond to his tweet. And so I actually put this out and I'll, I'll share this both here as well as on my um as well as on my, uh, um, I'll put it in the comments. But I responded to his tweet by, actually I retweeted it with a comment. And I said, this is what Joe Biden is saying to white men. Racism, sexism, and white supremacy is what made America the wealthiest nation in, in history, which that's what made us wealthy. It's not that we believe in fair competition. It's that we've limited people who can have access into the competition very severely throughout the entire history of this nation. Now that we're getting called out for it, imagine if we symbolically gave a few token BIPOC a slightly less unfair chance to maybe partially catch up. That's all I'm doing, right? That's a probably more accurate translation of what Joe Biden's thinking and of what he's actually meant and what he's actually doing um, in his in his uh, presidency and in his work. And I, I'm going to share that in the comment section as well. So if you want to access to that um, to that tweet, that's online there. And when I when I first saw that saw that tweet and I made that response to it, I actually wondered: Should I? say this? Am I being a bit sensitive, right? Am I, am I just trolling Joe Biden? But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, this has to be something that we need to address as a nation. This absolutely has to address because Joe Biden at very best, right, is displaying his implicit racial bias which is he's looking at our history through the lens of a white landowning male. And he's saying, look at, we've created all this wealth. We've created all this opportunity. We've done all these things. Now we should give this to other people, right? But he's absolutely looking at it again, because the only people who can look back and say, oh, things were great, were white landowning men. And so he's absolutely seeing our history through the lens through the implicit racial bias of a white landowning male. And he's being called out for it. And the problem, the reason I feel like we need to call that out and we need to find a way to talk about that is because there are things going on today that are rooted in this same implicit bias. Right now, maybe you're saying, well, Mr. Charles, Mark, why aren't you calling out the Republicans? Um, they're far much worse. And yes, again, as I've said before, Republicans are explicitly racist and sexist and white supremacist. Calling out a Republican is like calling out a, four, a four-year-old, right? They're, they're explicit about what they're doing, and they're even kind of proud of it. I spend more time critiquing the left because they're like, they have a more implicit racial bias. 
and they're actually trying to hide it. So they're trying to under to act like they're woke, act like they, they get it, and they're fighting for everyone's um, equality when actually they have the same agenda as the right does. They just go about it more subversively than the right does. And so this is one of the reasons why I, I spend more time critiquing the left than I do the right, because the right's easy, right? That's, it's like catching a, a three-year-old with their hand in the cookie jar. It's easy. They, they know what they're doing. They're, they're even proud of what they're doing, and calling that out is simple. The left is a bit more, a bit more challenging. And so when you look at, and one of the things that the left, especially right now, is incredibly proud of is that they've passed this Marriage Protection Act. Um, and they did it with a bipartisan vote. There were a number of the members of the Republican Party, I think 12, who voted in favor of this as well. And so it's being trumpeted as this great bipartisan bill that is protecting marriage for the LGBTQ community. Now, absolutely, this is a good thing. And absolutely, it's something that we need to, we need to, actually probably never should have even been questioned, right? Um, but because of our nation's racist, sexist, matriarchal, right, history, or not matriarchal, patriarchal, sorry, because of that history, right, it's very narrowly defined who can actually get married. And the fascinating thing about that is this, is if you look at the bill, and actually you go back and, and even read the comments, and I shared this story from Politico, um, and if you go back and even just read the story, right, there are several places in the story where they point out that not only does this bill protect um, gay marriage, marriage for the LGBTQ community, it protects interracial marriage. And it protects the ability of people like myself and my wife to have our marriage recognized <laughs> by the government. Because apparently there was actually some fear that that could be limited as well. And Again, what, what this means, what the reason why this works with what I was pointing out with Joe Biden is because the laws of this country, the biases, the both implicit and explicit racial and gender and, and sexual orientation identity that our laws were written with was about the white, straight, landowning male and everybody else was outside of that and so marriage was defined as um, this way and and not a, not a biracial marriage and it was about white people marrying white people and right, it was protecting the family and all these things that you know was that was, was going on here and it's that bias which is why we have to now have these other laws that basically begin to legalize some of the exceptions to that bias. Oh yes, okay, now it's 2022, so we're gonna add protection in for LGBTQ and we're gonna add protection in for biracial marriage. Um, 
And now we pat ourselves on the back and say how proud we are. And it's like, people, this is 2022, right? And we are a nation that has been trumpeting its entire existence that we believe in freedom and equality for everybody. Why are we doing this now only in 2022, right? This is, uh, why is this not the assumed position of our laws? When we define marriage, why is it? Why do we have to make these exceptions? And it's because our race, our our history, our laws, our legal system, our foundations are absolutely racist, sexist, and white supremacist. And so, when the leader of the quote unquote woke party says things like, we've always done this in our history and it's what made us wealthy and it's what made us prosperous and doesn't acknowledge that that wealth and that prosperity came based on the dehumanization and the exclusion of these other groups of people. Well, we have to call that out. We have to call that out, right? Mr. President, you may have somewhat good intentions, but you have a massive blind spot, a huge implicit racial bias. And if you don't, if we don't learn how to address that, right, if we just allow that to continue without acknowledging it, you're going to miss it. And we're going to continue along in these problems. So that's why I, I called out what Joe Biden said. And it was ironic that he said that literally, you know, he said that literally um, the day after Thanksgiving, right, which I pointed out earlier is the day that basically Abraham Lincoln asked us to give thanks to God for the fruits of the genocide he was actively committing. And two days before the massacre at Sand Creek, three days before the massacre at Sand Creek, where this nation just went through and massacred Native peoples because they wanted to complete their manifest destiny. And so the timing of Joe Biden's, of President Biden's tweet was just, it was horrible. Um, and is deeply rooted in his implicit racial bias and in the myth of American exceptionalism, which is also rooted in the lie of white supremacy. And so I wanted to point those things out um, because we have to be aware of what our leaders are saying and what um, the challenges are that we're facing. And we can't, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed that so many people believe that it is the left that gets it. And the left doesn't get it. They don't get it. They are just as racist and sexist and white supremacist as the right is. They have the same goals and the same agenda. They just have a more diverse base, and so they have to find ways to sneak their stuff in there. But the left is not advocating for these things. They want to blame it all on the right. And so we have to point this out when it happens. 
we have to acknowledge these things when they when they take place. Anyway, so I wanted to to talk about that, and there was one other thing I wanted I wanted to share with you, and this was um, regarding something that I saw last week, um, and that is, uh, and let me pull up the the tweet I want to share with you. It's about the Cherokee Nation. When the Cherokees signed their treaty with the U.S. government, the treaty that actually led to the Long Walk, one of the provisions of that treaty was that they would get, the Cherokee Nation would get a delegate to the House of Representatives. And in this past month, well, I mean, they've been working at this for a while, but in the past month, there's been a lot of movement to actually make that delegate a reality. And the Cherokee Nation is fighting for their treaty right to have a delegate in the House of Representatives. I'm guessing there's some resistance to it because this hasn't happened before, but it looks like there might be a chance or an opportunity for it to happen now. And so there's been a lot more publicity about it. So I, I shared that with you. There's the link to that in, in, in the, the comment section. And in that article, one of the things that um, it points out is that this is a non-voting delegate. And that when I first heard they were fighting for a delegate, a representative in Congress, I was actually really excited. But when <laughs> I read closer and found out it was a non-voting delegate, I was both disappointed but also not surprised. Right, because I can tell you, as a resident of Washington D.C., the District of Columbia, who also has a non-voting delegate in the House of Representatives, along with some of our other colonies, you don't get much. Cherokee Nation, I, I'm I. I hope you get your treaty right there. I want to temper your expectations. Not much is going to come as a result of having a non-voting delegate in the House of Representatives. Right? I, I can only tell you honestly, I feel voiceless here. I feel just as voiceless as I felt back living on the Navajo Nation. Um, politically. I feel that same level of voicelessness here in Washington, D.C. Why? Because nothing ever happens. We can't, we, we, have, we have no effect on the balance of power. We have no effect on the national discourse or dialogue. We can't do, like, there was all of this political advertising and dialogue going on these past months up to the midterm elections. Who's going to control the House? Who's going to control the Senate? All of these ads being zipping back and forth and DC was completely left out of it. We have no impact. Yes, we have a delegate in the House of House Representative, but it's a non-voting delegate. So we have no power. We have no ability to act or to or to create movement. So I I hope the Cherokee get their delegate. I really do. I'm very disappointed 
that it's a non-voting delegate. And I think ultimately this is about symbolism, which isn't bad, but it's not going to solve the problem. It's not going to solve the problem. Sorry, my phone has been beeping at me and I need to, I forgot to turn off my volume before I started this live stream. But anyway, so, so those are my thoughts on that. I really hope they get their delegate. That will be something historic. But I also hope they understand there is, a, aside from the symbolism, there is very little that that non-voting delegate can do within the House because they don't have a vote. And as a resident of D.C., I have no, like when people say, hey, there's this bill before Congress, call your Congress member and let them know how to vote on this. I'm like, I can't do that. My Congress member doesn't have a vote in this thing. We're powerless. We have nothing to do about it. We can sit there and watch. We can cheer and lobby from the side, but that's really all we can do. So, yeah. We're working towards something that is largely going to be symbolic, I think. And that's disappointing. The other thing I wanted to point out um, is uh, this weekend, for those of you who live in or near Washington, D.C., I am actually going to be speaking at an event on Saturday and Sunday. And it's at the Tacoma Park Presbyterian Church. And that church is located, um, I just put it on the screen, um, at 310 Tulip Avenue in Tacoma Park. And I'm going to be speaking there on Saturday in the morning from 9.30 till about noon. And then I will be there again on Sunday preaching in their morning service. And uh, this event is open to the public. And so I just put a link for that there into the comment section. And they're also going to be um, um, recording it and uh, uh, having a, people able to join via Zoom. And their Zoom is also open to the public. And so if you would like to, uh, to hear my presentation, I'll be speaking on Saturday for about 90 minutes to uh, an hour and a hour and 45 minutes, hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, and then doing some Q&A. And then on Sunday, I'll be preaching in the service for about 30, 35 minutes. The Sunday service will be on Acts 10 and Radical Inclusivity. And the event on Saturday will be the History of the Doctrine of Discovery. Um, and so uh, you're welcome to join one or both of those events. If you're in the D.C. area, the DMV, as they call it, um, you're welcome to attend that in person. And if you're outside that area and would like to uh, catch it on Zoom, you can do that as well. I'll be sharing that over my social media these next few days. And so if you would like to join that, you're obviously able to join that. Um, anyway, these are just a few of the things I wanted to talk about today as we're going into uh, the last day of November and going to be starting uh, up in December again. I also want to share with you this link where if you would like to get a copy, a signed copy of Unsettling Truths, the book I co-authored with Sing Chan Ra, um, for the month of November, I've been offering free shipping. 
And so um, through the end of today, uh, you can order a, a signed copy of Unsettling Truths and you will not be charged any shipping for that order. Um, normally I charge $3 for shipping, uh, but if you order through today yet, you'll be able to get it without that shipping charge added on. And if you order also for the month of December, I'm offering free, or through the month of December starting now, I'm offering free gift wrapping. So if you want to send uh, On Selling Truths as a gift to a friend or a family member or someone who you like to um, help understand some of this history, you can send it uh, and you can select to have it gift wrapped and send a note with it. But uh, if you'd like to do that, so if you order today, you will get both free gift wrapping and free shipping. <laughs> so um, the little motivation, if you're thinking about ordering or giving on Selling Truths as a gift, a little motivation to do it today yet. And you can have that shipped um, anywhere in the country. Um, I'm not able to ship internationally right now, but anywhere in the country, you can order it and have it shipped. Anyway, I, I hope that's helpful. And uh, I want to just thank everybody for joining me today for the second cup of coffee. I hope your cup of coffee is as good as mine is. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next month and the conversation we'll be able to have then. Let me just look back over some of the, the comments and see what people are saying here. Um, uh, Diana Barnes is shocked along with me that uh, it's a non-voting delegate. Yes, that is something we need to be able to address at some point in the future. Um, and uh, yeah, so we just need to, we need to understand what's, it, it's important that they get this because this was outlined in the treaty. And so I hope they do get it, but we just need to acknowledge it's not a full representation. Um, it's a, it's a non-voting delegate in the house, which I can tell you from experience living in Washington, DC is not all that it's cracked up to be. Anyway, thank you, my relatives for joining. I hope you have a great uh, um, rest of the day. I hope to do at least one more second of a coffee before the week's end and uh, enjoy your last day of November and looking forward to the month of December. I can't have my relatives walk in beauty and may we all learn how to walk in beauty together. Hakonet.